What an amazing promise that is for us today. One flock, one shepherd. What hope that is. What a dream that is in our divided times. Revealed right here at the end of today's reading, so there will be one flock, one shepherd. The promise comes just as Jesus has announced that there are other sheep, not of this fold, others not surrounding him at that moment, who are also part of his flock. He must bring them in as well so that there will be one flock, one shepherd. What a dream that is. What promise, what, what hope for these days. The history of the church, particularly in the last century and a half or so, has been filled with efforts to fulfill this promise. For example, the Presbyterians at various points in our history, including within the last 30 or 40 years, have been in talks with denominations like the United Church of Christ or the Disciples of Christ or the American Baptists about coming together, sharing clergy, sharing one table. None of those talks went anywhere. Because those churches, we know, are governed at the congregational level. And it really doesn't go beyond that. Each congregation is an autonomous entity in many ways in those groups. And we are governed, as you know, by elders on the session, and then those elders comprise a regional group called Presbyteries, and on up the line, we are governed in governing bodies. And so it didn't work. We've also tried in the last 40 or 50 years to talk with the Episcopalians and the Methodists. That didn't work either, because they have bishops in those denominations, individuals who are invested with a lot of power in governing. And we believe that power should not be granted to individuals, but invested in groups where clergy and lay leaders have equal power, equal authority. And so the Presbyterians land, as usual, right in the middle, which seems always the natural resting place of Presbyterian folk through the ages. Not to mention that some churches baptize babies and some do not. Some take communion monthly and some take it every week. Some ordain women and LGBTQ folk and some do not. Some immerse and some sprinkle and some pour. Some say debts and some say trespasses. So I want to ask Jesus, this one flock that you're talking about, could you tell me? whether it's going to be the sprinkling babies, monthly communion, elder ruling, women and gay ordaining, forgive us our debts kind or the wrong kind. I'm asking for a friend, you know. This is the kind of unity most of us think about when we think about it at all. Unity of doctrine, unity of government, unity of sacramental practice, more and more these days, unity even of politics. A unity that clearly defines boundaries such that some are in 
and some are clearly out. And so in search of this unity, we form committees to study it. We fight. We fight sometimes viciously over who is right and who is wrong. And especially in this country, we divide into more and more denominations. Today, I kid you not, there are 41 Presbyterian denominations in the United States alone. 41, that's just the Presbyterians in this country alone. And increasingly, our churches look like our culture. Enclaves of the like-minded. A far, far cry from Jesus' dream, His hope, His promise. And I don't know if there is any way out of this radical disunity that we experience so far removed from Jesus' vision. But I wonder if one way out of it might be to remember that this is Jesus' vision and His promise and not ours. That unity is more a gift than an accomplishment. And that it's a reality we fail to see. A reality that is already true of the church, but we fail to see because we're looking in the wrong places. I wonder if the key to it is not embedded in this very text where Jesus himself speaks of unity and connects it to the voice of the shepherd, the good shepherd. Now, sheep and shepherds have an intimate relationship. The sheep know the distinctive voice of their shepherd, the certain way the shepherd calls, the cadences. The shepherd of the sheep can walk right through the middle of a sleeping herd and not one of them will stir. But if a stranger walks in, there's immediate pandemonium. When the shepherds bring their herds to drink water, the sheep get mixed up together, but the shepherds don't mind. As soon as it's time to go, the shepherd calls his sheep and they will come right away, hearing his voice above all the others. I've heard many sermons that talk about dumb sheep, that sheep are just dumb. And uh, that always made me feel a little bad. Because those of us in the church, when I was growing up at least, I was identified as a sheep, a part of the flock. So was the preacher saying, I was dumb? And then when I became a pastor, I realized that I was considered kind of a shepherd and that all of you were the flock. And so I became instantly smarter while you stayed really dumb. But it turns out sheep are not dumb. They are discerning. Sheep are discerning. They've gotten a bad rap, and they're not the only animals out there that have. Many of you know that Kim and I have a new addition to our own household. After our beloved Shih Tzu Tux died several years ago, we both made the pronouncement to our family that there would never be another dog that could replace Tux. He was quiet. He would sit in your lap and sleep. He was not any trouble at all. He wasn't a yapping dog, which, which, which I have issues with, so it was just nice. We wouldn't even try. Our daughter, Chandler Bell, took that as a personal challenge. 
and spent the next several years in various sneaky kinds of ways trying to make us get another dog. And over Christmas, we, for some inexplicable reason, relented. And we adopted a senior dog from the Williamson County Shelter named Mary Jane. Now, Mary Jane is in many ways Tux's absolute opposite. She's a very large pit bull mix. And I have to tell you, when our daughter brought her to our attention, I was dismissive quickly. Pit bulls are dangerous, I said. Vicious. They, they, they fight other dogs. And Chandler told me I needed to Google it, which I did. And the Google machine told me that I was wrong. Pit bulls are not dangerous or vicious, they said. They are smart and big and strong. If they listen to the wrong voices, they can be trained because they're smart and big and strong. They can be trained to fight other dogs, even to the death, even to attack people. And that's exactly why so many of them end up in places like the Williamson County Shelter. And I, when I walk through the neighborhood with Mary Jane, can see sometimes the fear rise up in people who are walking our direction when they, when they see her. And I kind of like that. It's kind of like, don't mess with me. I've got Mary Jane. But the problem is, these dogs are super easy to train. And if they listen to the right voices... You get a dog like Mary Jane, who would rather plop all 60 pounds of herself into your lap and sleep than just about anything else. Who will only bark when you ask her to bark. Turns out there's no inherent viciousness in a pit bull. It's all about the voice to which she listens. Is the voice good or not? The Greek word that we translate good is a word that can mean many things. It can mean ordered, sound, noble, ideal, true, competent, faithful, praiseworthy. Jesus is the embodiment of all of these ideals and the model shepherd for us <coughs> for one reason. He's willing to lay down his life for the sheep. That's the number one job of a shepherd. A good shepherd, not a hired hand, is to protect the sheep. When the wolf comes, when danger stalks, the shepherd remains. Why? Because the sheep belong to him. Unlike the hired hand, they are his, and he will die to save them. At least a good one will. And so Jesus establishes for that reason that he's the good shepherd. And then he makes this bombshell announcement. There are other sheep that are not here. And at the time of John's gospel, these others would no doubt have been the Gentile converts who were rapidly becoming more and more part of the early church. And whose presence was challenging the community. 
John says to us that Jesus had already made it clear that God's mission in the world was not to one people only, but to the world. And that the voice of the shepherd will continue to echo down through the ages, drawing others into the fold that we may never have dreamed possible, echoing even to this place and this time. Through the power of the Spirit, Jesus is still at work in the world. Jesus' voice is still speaking. All that is required for followers of Jesus are ears tuned to the unique cadence of His call. And this may be more difficult today than ever because we're bombarded by so many voices vying for our hearing. We need to know the cadence of this voice so that we, like sheep, can rest with the peace that passes all understanding when He is among us. We need to know His voice so that we can, like sheep, rise and follow when He calls. This is, in the end, the key to our unity. This and nothing else. There was a time, I suppose, when the question of the frequency of communion or the mode of baptism or the verbiage of the Lord's Prayer or the way we organize ourselves was seen as integral to our identity. And yet, if we're listening to the voice of Jesus as the grounding of our unity, we know that those things need not divide us. Yet there do remain real and monumental divisions among the body of Christ as to who is welcome and who is not, who can be leaders and who cannot, divisions about the shape of our community, real divisions with honest, faithful people on all sides. And the only way we can work together through these differences is to together, together listen for the voice of the shepherd. Because unity does not mean uniformity. Rather, it means honoring difference, welcoming difference, working together as we discern Christ's voice in those differences. That voice will speak forgiveness rather than vengeance. It will speak reconciliation rather than division. It will speak peace rather than violence, simplicity rather than greed, giving rather than taking, trust rather than worry. It will speak welcome rather than walls. It will speak and speak and speak. Continuing the mission to draw the world into the sheepfold of God where all will hear and know the voice. This is one of the main reasons we all gather here every week. To listen again and again and again to this voice through the scripture, through prayer, through the hymnody, through learning together, through serving together to listen again and again so that we might know it when we hear it outside these doors. Discerning together the voice of Christ in our time remains one of our highest callings and the key to our mission in the world and our unity. He still speaks. 
His promise, His hope, His dream of unity is His alone to bestow. And bestow it He has. So let us dare to follow Him into the future that He is preparing for us even now. Let us follow with great joy and anticipation. Amen.